secrets from a coach. Thrive and maximise your potential in the evolving workplace. Your weekly podcast with Debbie Green of Wishfish and Laura Thompson of Phenomenal Training. Debs. Law, you all right? Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, actually. I'm, I'm in a good place. It's been a bit manic, as we are. So we've got manic hysteria going on all around us when um, talking to each other and talking to other people, but all going in the right direction. Oh, very good. Now, look, I've got a serious question for you. <gasps> Go on. If you were a breakfast pastry, what would you be and Why? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love it! Um, oh, a breakfast pastry. I'd have to. I don't know if it's breakfast or tea, but anyway, it would be my breakfast. It would have to be a Chelsea bun. Um, a Chelsea bun, and why is that? Well, for one, supporting Chelsea, so it has to have that in it. But it's the sticky sweetness that comes in, mm. and when you try and pull it apart, you get you covered in fingers. You're covered in all that lovely stuff, and and that yeah, they just taste divine, especially with a hot cup of tea. <gasps> oh yes, nice. what's yours, Law? Uh, I reckon I'm a muffin. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more, Law. Itty bitty skinny legs and a whole lot filling the top of the seat right now. Yeah. Um, uh, because now the reason why I say this, because we Go do on. like to take learning and development ever so seriously, don't we? Because it's At all about being all the serious. Time. Yeah, um, right. is that I think it, it struck me the other day that I think when you and I and all of our team do bits and bobs with teams at the moment yes. we're like the equivalent of the croissants so you know you know when teams were sort of having their meetings and, yeah. you know in the old days when you actually sort of went to a physical place and you might have the same agenda yeah. and the same people but the venue and basically what are the snacks yes. and what's the lunch that was the bit that gave you the variety you know and kind of went oh it's bacon sandwiches or whatever it might be <laughs> and I think we're the equivalent of those kind of croissants now aren't we and that yes. we sort of get to be brought in so I think with the cognitive croissants Ooh. the motivational muffins <laughs> in terms of just adding a little bit of a different energy yes that's i think what people are craving right now through this kind of ongoing kind of uh, transformation period that we're in yeah definitely. that kind of energy bit you know as we're kind of um, as the months kind of continue um so in terms of energy what are you spotting and what are you picking up in the conversations you've been part of this week Mm. I think um, from an emotional point of view, there's been emotions, highs, complete lows. Um, and even on conversations I've had, you know, this week, that em emotional roller coaster has been playing out even in a 45 minute conversation. And you've watched, I've watched people, um, you know, certainly somebody today go on absolute euphoria because they, you know, they made sense of what they wanted to be doing and um, also an absolute drop and low because they started to doubt themselves around what they were actually doing. So even in 45 minute coaching sessions, you know, you're seeing that myriad of emotions that are flowing through people. Um, and and it's, it's just to watch it, it is just wow. You know, we're all on that emotional roller coaster, but it feels like this week, especially, it just seems to be more intense and more complete, you know, one thing or the other. Um, and I suppose our role, and, you know, with the teams you've been working with this week, Laura, as well, it's just getting people back on and aligned to their track, if you like, so they can make sense of the world around them at the moment. 
Well, I think emotions are quite catching and they're quite contagious. And so if you're sort of swirling around in the same environment, then you're all going to kind of, you know, either bring each other up or down and there's less of that perspective that you kind of get. And so I think from a team point of view, you could have had um, individually, you might have had 17 people in that team of 30 feeling a little bit low, but have a laugh in some training room somewhere and you kind of get a bit kind of revved up. I guess the key question we're all looking at now is, can you achieve that same emotional um, change, that shift online? So is it possible to actually shift emotions? And what does that mean in terms of being intelligent with our emotions in an online two-dimensional world where we can't hug? It's purely through our voice and sound and our vision that we're able to do that. So what, what's been your take on that? Yeah, and I think um, I think it links into that whole how intelligent are you emotionally as well. Um, I always frame it that way rather than you know emotional intelligence. I think it's that having that ability, if you like, to be really self aware. Um, you know, if you're on a, a not a good day, you know, you're not managing your emotions well. You know, what does that look like? So, how self aware are you? Um, yeah, because if you're the one that's just watching people's eyes glaze over as you haven't stopped talking for the last 12, 15 minutes, then you're missing a trick because people won't want to listen. So having that ability to have then the social awareness, as I always call it, which is keeping your radar on. So even online, you can still scan, which is why I think, you know, we've always said keep your cameras on so you can see what's going on. And, you know, if there's no cameras, you can hear it. Um, but that social awareness to know when to, um, you know, change tack or change it up a bit or just let it go and, and hand over to somebody else to pick that up. Um, because that's the bit I think that is really important right now. We can manage the emotion, but we have to be super smart with that and recognise it in ourselves first before we start, you know, even you know, recognising it in others and how we can help them. Yeah. Do you know, this always stuck with me. I nabbed this off. Um, I was on some assessment centre to get onto a project about 18 years ago, I think it was, <laughs> during the war. And um, I remember thinking that the, the way this person um, described self-awareness or lack of self-awareness was just so inspired because it was really childish. And so things that are a bit childish and a, a little bit kind of naughty always sort of stick in my memory. And it talks about this idea of there being garlics, and baked bean. People. Oh my God, I love it when you talk about I mean, this. It's, it's just <laughs> such a brilliant wake up call. If you kind of think, I wonder if I'm one or the other. And so the idea about the garlics or the baked beans is um, so, what's the overriding characteristic of someone that's eaten lots of garlic? Well, they reek of garlic, but who can smell that smell? everyone else apart from them. So you're wandering around completely blithely unaware of actually the impact you're having on your environment from an odour point of view. And so there might be some scenarios where you're just completely unaware as to how you're coming across. So you think you might be being funny and having a bit of banter and actually everyone else is thinking, how rude is that? Yeah. <laughs> and yes. How out of order is, <laughs> is that sort of joke that might have happened? Um, whereas a baked bean person... Um, someone who's eaten lots of baked beans and there is an odour impact is as aware of that odour impact as is the audience. So actually someone might have said something quite cutting and actually there was a purpose behind it. They were self-aware when they were making that cutting statement. And of course, whether you are giving feedback to someone or having a conversation, whether it was done on purpose or not, is the key bit then in terms of how you would, you know, go on and sort of deal with that stuff. But I think uh, the first step is, is um, if I've got no idea how I come across, then maybe I'm the dodgy one yeah. <laughs> in, in the room, you know. 
<laughs> if you can't spot the nightmare, maybe you're the nightmare. I think you're right. And I know over the years of running workshops, you know, you, you see that playing out in an actual room. And so when we were in workshops, but, you know, even on Zoom calls at the moment, you can see when people, um, if you like, the social cues. So even though people don't think they're leaking information, they are still leaking information online as well by just a movement of the head. Or you might see somebody look up at the camera because they've got 12 people on the screen and you see them looking over to the left or the right because they're obviously connecting with somebody in their team and you can watch it play out. And it's and it's having the uh, the courage to call it on the screen and go, wow, you know, I've just noticed that, you know, as that individual said something, you know, a couple of you reacted and you can see them go into this panic mode to go, how does she know that? Um, but that's because you're observing. I think, you know, observe the social cues, you know, you, I think you have to be more alert to them, especially if you're online or even if you can't see people is listening out for those, you know, those unwritten, unsaid words, but the impact is there, you know, it's, there's an underlying Ness. So you've got to be fully present, I think, when you're doing anything like this. Which is tricky to do if you're trying to bang out some emails whilst pretending to nod nod along uh, a kind of, you know, a regular team meeting. Of course, then that le- level of disconnect, it just has this indifference it around it. And my God, yeah. indifference is, is it sort of leads to contempt, doesn't it? You know, if I don't really care about you, then you don't really care about me, then... I think that's really key, Laura, because there was something last week we were doing a workshop and, and while somebody had their screen on and they were looking at me at the screen... They weren't because you could see they were still typing and their face went was doing the most extraordinary shapes as they were like obviously reading an email and frowning at this email and then thinking and looking at whether they would respond or not. And and yeah, you know, I've got thick skin. We've been in workshops where people completely ignore you and hope you go away, but you're not. Um, and so therefore... But <laughs> Don't put that on the website, Dev. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just once. <laughs> but it's that ability, I think, Lord, to then go, <laughs> to then sort of just say, you know, actually, are you present? Because you, you're not, you know, you're, and so therefore, how can you listen? And, and how can you have empathy or really understand, if you like, where that other individual is coming from? And, and if you're not fully present in that moment, whether it's a 10 minute conversation or it's an hour long conversation, I think that's what makes the biggest difference. And, and what I've noticed is, you know, those managers that are looking after teams that teams are successful they are paying attention. They are being incredibly intelligent emotionally to be able to have their own self-awareness, know when to shut up, um, but also they're able to pick up on those social cues because they're listening and they're listening, um, you know, not just to nod along and approve it, but listening empathetically to what's going on because they're wanting to really understand the message, the communication that's happening in that moment. Um, and you can only do that by being present in that moment and just shoving everything aside um, so you can just focus in on the team or the individual you're speaking to. Because otherwise, you know, it's chat as opposed to chatter. You know, what, what does that you know bring up for us as well? But Debs, I do think there is a two-way street here in terms of achieving quality listening. So I might be really committed to listening to your conversation, but if you're waffling on or being a little bit out of order or not actually making sense, then at some point there needs to be a two-way 
contract almost in terms of both of us are equally interested in having a quality conversation in the shortest amount of time. So I'm going to listen to you and not be half texting at the same time. And actually you are going to put forward a point logically in a way that I can understand so we can do something with it. And the amount of talking that people do sometimes, you think, what's the actual point you're saying? And this is where I think models really help in terms of, you know, whether it's a giving feedback model. A, a current one I was taking a team through um, earlier this week who have, um, they're really on a downer at the moment. And because everyone's remote based, the fun they used to have when they all used to come together in, you know, various hotel rooms, you know, not hotel rooms, you know, the, the conferencing <laughs> the conference suites. Room, the fun that, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> the fun that they used to have together and they're kind of really missing that. And at some point, you know, especially if a key character goes on downer, woomph, all those geese fly down following as well. And so I was sharing with them a, t- a tool that I'd nabbed from the world of um, couples relationship counselling which I think is a really practical way to look at if there's some beef in the team at the moment or if someone is upset as a result of something that was unintended or, you know, an accidental misstep in a comment that was made or something. The Staben tool is a really interesting tool, whether that is cleaning up a little bit of mess in your domestic team or your professional team. And Staben stands for Situation, Time, Approach, behaviour, emotion, need. So basically, first of all, you've got to be really clear on what is the situation that caused you upset? Because if it's just a general stuff, that's where people, you know, mountains can grow out of molehills. You've got to pick your timing. So in front of everyone at the start of a team meeting is probably not a time where I'd say, uh, Debs, can we have a chat about last meeting? I've got to work on the approach. So even though I might be feeling a bit emotionally fraught about it, I need to approach you friendly and amiable to start a conversation, not attack you, because otherwise, you know, two wrongs don't make a right, etc. And then the bend bit is the language bit, which is behaviour, emotion, need. So the behaviour, when you um, <laughs> when, when you called me a, a muffin, <laughs> my emotion was a little bit upset, actually, because I've been doing Joe Wicks three times a week. And so what I need is now a bit of reassurance that actually it was a, a metaphor as opposed to a body image assessment. Yeah. So the Ben model definitely is... definitely a metaphor law. <laughs> so the... No, well, no one's seen below my waist for 11 months. So, well, you know. there we go. So maybe. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Um, so behaviour, emotion, need. And gosh, when, if you've got a difficult conversation swirling around in your head and you, you're finding that it's disrupting your ability to fall asleep, life is so blended now to get some compartmentalisation back into... These are the professional conversations, therefore I need to do them. And, you know, the, the personal conversations, you know, you, you can leave for years you know decades it's up to you you know whenever they feel the time is right but Ben I think is a really a great way to just approach those those emotion-based conversations yeah and you know I was doing a workshop this week about you know everyday conversations and you know how can we you know some of the conversations we avoid because of that and and one of the things that I always say and I took this from my coach training way back when and it stuck with me for setting up any conversation and setting it up really well are the four P's. And the four P's stand for placement, permission, process and partnership. So I'll, I'll, so when we think about the two things we have to say out loud are the placement bit, which is setting the scene. So I'm about to have a conversation with you about da 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 and what we're going to do here is da 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 And the outcome I'd love would be X, Y, Z. And are you OK with that? which is the permission bit. And it will always be a yes. Um, I, I, and it's only when you point that out to people that we've used it on training courses in the past that 
when you're setting up the next part of the workshop or whatever you're doing, they would go, no, because they've clocked on to the fact that what you're doing is setting them up so they know what's coming. And then as long as you stick with that, that builds the trust. Um, So they're the two things you say out loud, you know, what this is what we're doing. This is placing people and what's coming. And then are you okay with that? Yep, we're all good. Great. Then you go into the process. So the process is the process. But why is that permission bit important? So what, 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 what? Yeah, good point. Yeah, people are then listening. They're ready to hear. Because you're not just diving straight in with it, you've, you've managed to, if you like, balance the room because you don't know what state people are coming into a room or onto a Zoom call in. Whereas if you're taking the lead and just setting the tone and the scene around what we're about to be talking about and what we would love as an outcome or this is how you want the team to work together today, you can watch people go, oh, relax. It's their moment to relax. And then you go, is everyone okay with that? It automatically gets people listening and they're ready. They're waiting to hear what the next bit is, which is then what we call the process, which is whatever the process is, you know, um, coaching, conversation, appraisal, discussion, whatever, you know, a team workshop. Um, And then the partnership bit is a given. It's a given that in that moment, which is where the emotional intelligence piece comes into it, is that I will work with you in partnership. I am here for you in that moment. And it's a given that I will be with you. And as I always say, I'll walk alongside you as we explore what we're about to explore. Um, It it then just creates that great feeling and that great vibe that helps people. And it's a great way to set up the conversation. Um, You know, and then we've used this before with the good old YMCA, haven't we, Law, as well, Um, which is, you know, you set them up and then you hand over because you want them to talk. So, you know, you talk. So what's going on for you, Law? You talk, then I will listen, and then I will speak. That's my bit, me. The Y, the y is you, the M is me. We would then compare, which is the C. What have we just heard? How are we going to go about this, et cetera? And then the A is the action or agree the way forward from here, which is a really great way of setting up a conversation using just having that as a framework in your mind about what, you know, the YMCA, and we can all do the moves, right? Um, so it's just a great way to cre- keep that conversation on track, potentially stops waffle, you're not getting bored, you can you then listening in the right way to understand rather than waiting to reply uh, and all around that conversation just is in a much better place. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And, you know, as I listen to you talk, so I'm thinking, so the, the three kind of key models that we've been talking about then is Staben, which is how to deal with some emotional beef. Um, the four Ps, which is, well, how might you step into that conversation? And then the YMCA in terms of, well, how might that maintain a two-way interactive conversation? And I'm thinking, you know, whether whether it's post-pandemic, you know, whether it's pandemic 2021 or whatever it is, these are part of those evergreen lifelong skills, aren't they? Yeah, and I think whether definitely. we're role modelling this to our kids and having conversations like this, regardless of age, this is about adult responsibility kind of conversations, isn't it? Because if I if I, if I just allowed a little bit of a robot moment here, the easy black and white linear problems are going to be offloaded onto either software programs with chatbots or with automated um, text responses. It's happening already. I know a number of companies who already are looking at their customer service interactions 
What's the stuff that can be offloaded onto machines, the simple stuff? And then the tricky, icky, sticky, emotional stuff you get through to a human. And that's happening already in many, sort of, you know, uh, in many examples. Well, what that then means is, if you just to be a little bit kind of future focused about this, is the easy conversations, we won't be getting paid lots of money for those. We'll be getting paid money to deal with the emotional high and low conversations. And so as the years go on, these will be the types of interactions that we'll be doing more and more of. So to practice them now, um, especially if you're feeling a little bit depleted, that's the muscle then that is likely to be needed, you know, in the kind of future. Certainly our kids, you know, any child who's at school now, if they get into a customer service role in the next 10 to 15 years, whatever role that might that might be, it, that, 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 where they're going to get paid for that human edge bit, not for the simple stuff that machines are going to do. And so part of that human edge bit, and I'm on a bit of a kind of a, a mission at the moment, is now is the time where everyone needs to work out what is the genuine DNA of the role that I do, whether that is parenting, caring, or professional role that you're doing. And the DNA bit for me stands for do not automate that bit. So you can automate buying the card, but the moment that you get some machine to write it for you, <laughs> you know, the, the, it's the kind of what bits can I use technology for and what are the bits that need my individual signature on, whether that is your personality, your language, your physical, you know, whatever that kind of bit is. Because, um, you know, once it's been automated, it's tricky to retro-manualise it. And um, I just know there are lots of organisations we're looking at, as we all are in our homes as well. You know, we're stretched for time and you're thinking, right, at what point do I get the robot storyteller in? <laughs> <laughs> So you don't have to do it. So I can sit and watch television, thanks. (laughs) Yeah, just listen to that. You'll be all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's quite invigorating because that DNA bit is probably the bit you love anyway. Exactly. It's the bit that you think, actually, that's why I went into that profession in the first place, the do not automate bit, the human edge bit. It's just we're all so blimmin' busy at the moment, just sort of handling the influx of stuff that we're, you know, you you kind of, it's it's, it's easy for that stuff to get deprioritised. And I think that's where that self-awareness is so key. You've got to know what you're good at. You've got to know what are the bits that you don't want to automate. You know, and so therefore, if you, you have that awareness around you and you've done some work on yourself, so you're really clear on that, then, you know, you will, if you like, leave your ego at the door because you're then really invested in what you're seeing and hearing and being part of around you, which then encourages that great relationship to, to build even more because, you, you know, you care enough to have that conversation with somebody else without your stuff because that's your brilliant skill set. That's the bit that I really don't want that personalised experience to move away from and to be you know, automated by a robot. That, that for me would just not work. No, but Debs, equally, I'd rather have a pleasant, easy robot to deal with than a grumpy, yes. belligerent, um, completely unempathetic human. So actually, my, my, my order of preference would be a fantastic human. Brilliant. A fantastic robot, great, and then a dodgy robot, and then a dodgy <laughs> human. That would actually be my my, my preference because yeah. a dodgy a dodgy machine response is not going to cause me to be upset. Whereas there have been times where I've been enraged by dreadful customer service, as we all have had. You know, the ability for us to upset each other. I guess that's our gift to be able to kind of you know lift each other up as well. So we've been talking about emotions and emotional intelligence online. I think this is going to be the gift that's going to keep on giving because most organisations are probably going to have. 
continuing remote-based work for the foreseeable, whether that is wanted or whether that is 100%, it's certainly shifted the way in which we all kind of work. So these are not only useful things to consider right now, but also for the foreseeable as well. So come on then. What would be your call to action? What would be a dare or a challenge you would set someone that you think would be good for someone in these emotional times through the most extraordinary circumstances so we can help shift and lift and thrive in this evolving world that we find ourselves in it would be for for somebody to recognize when you're turning people off and you're not turning them on so i would i would ask you to be really aware of you know of that so in, in a conversation are you can you hear the drift coming the, the 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 i'm not here that tumbleweed moment are you really acutely aware of that or not so but you raise your awareness to the cues that you can see. You know, are you turning people on or are you turning them off? And if you're turning them on, make sure they have their chance to be turned on for you too. But if you're turning them off, do something different. Make a change because otherwise you're just on a, it'd be that, as you say, that, oh, here we go again moment. Yeah. And then actually you're then just re- getting into robot mode. Aren't yes. you? You're not actually sort of fully engaged with it. Um, well, can I just say, I feel like I've guzzled on your Chelsea buns. <laughs> And I've relished in your muffin, Laura. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. Ooh, it's all been a little bit kind of uh, saucy and sticky on this one, but uh, emotional (laughs) intelligence online. At what point does banter become inappropriate? We'll let the listener decide. Exactly, we'll let the listener decide that one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, love you. Love you, Laura. See you, Dave. Bye. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email on secretsfromacoach at aol.com or follow us on Instagram at secretsfromacoach.